Just following the playbook, my weekly market review, August 13th, 2023. The stock market playbook is being followed exactly as we would expect and in the way that I've been banging on about in my recent weekly reports. The plain fact is that around 4,500, the S&P 500 index is priced for near-term perfection with zero room for any disappointments meaning that even the most modest of negatives, an uptick in market interest rates, some lackluster earnings, a less impressive economic report, or simply news or data that isn't constantly positive, can cause market choppiness and sometimes significant pullbacks, not because the news is that bad in an absolute sense, but instead because there's just no margin for error at current levels. The strong spring early summer rally included a very healthy dose of chasing and increased money flows as underexposed traders, investors and institutions scrambled to add stock exposure in response to very negative sentiment abruptly turning positive. That dynamic has now been exhausted. And if we get more not positive or we didn't see that coming episodes over the next few weeks, then a continued decline in the S&P 500 back towards more fundamental support, say between 4,300 and 4,400, actually makes sense and should not be a surprise. Positively, though, as long as the three pillars of the rally remain in place, that's number one, no landing or a soft landing, number two, disinflation, number three, the Fed is done or almost done with rate hikes, then any such decline would probably not necessarily indicate that the rally was about to reverse, but could be viewed more as a temporary setback in a still positively trending market. The hard landing versus soft landing question remains the most important one of all for markets over the medium and longer term for this simple reason. If there's a soft landing, then a further 10%-ish stock market rally is possible. If there's a hard landing, then it really doesn't matter what the Fed does because any rate cuts will already be too late and a market decline of 10 to 20% is likely. Looking at the data as I do, the current conclusion hasn't changed. A soft landing is still more likely than a hard landing. There are no real signs that US consumer spending is materially slowing and business spending appears to be healthy. That said, there has been a degree of additional deterioration on the employment front that we need to keep an eye on. But at this point, it's not enough to signal a shift to a hard landing narrative. To reiterate, this does not mean that a hard landing won't happen, but so far it isn't happening. Growth is moderating at an acceptable pace, but one that could be a cause for concern if the rate of economic contraction meaningfully accelerates. Tesla shares tumbled on Monday after longtime CFO Zach Kirkhorn surprisingly quit. Declining COVID vaccine demand hit the stock prices of Moderna and BioNTech. Elsewhere, there were notable upside surprises for Berkshire Hathaway, Eli Lilly and Wynn Resorts, and notable disappointments for Palantir, Beyond Meat and Tyson Foods. A bit of a second quarter earnings pattern is emerging. In general, 
earnings beats are being rewarded less than usual, and earnings misses are being punished more than usual. The reason is that so many stocks have already gone up big in that spring early summer rally based on anticipation, and reality is beginning to butt into the picture. It's classic buy the rumor, sell the news. As more and more earnings are released, we move from the rumor phase to the news phase. Credit agency Moody's Investor Services downgraded the credit ratings of 10 small and mid-sized U.S. banks on Monday and is actively considering the possibility of downgrading some larger lenders. Financial stocks across the board initially responded by plunging in price. Moody's cited several factors for the review, including elevated funding expenses, potential regulatory vulnerabilities, and the ever-growing risks associated with commercial real estate loans due to continued diminishing demand for office space. The optimist's view is that the Moody's call drives home the point that credit conditions are tight enough, which could well help deter the Fed from further interest rate hikes, which will ultimately benefit stock prices. The Consumer Price Index CPI measure of retail inflation came out on Thursday. On an annual basis, consumer prices rose 3.2% in July, slightly up from the previous month's 3% gain. Gas prices have been climbing in recent weeks, which could pull the headline rate higher in the August data. The closely watched core CPI inflation figure, which excludes more volatile food and energy costs, was up 4.7% year-on-year, down a touch from June, but still over double the Fed's target. Once again, the biggest contributor to the gains was shelter costs. CPI's wholesale cousin, the Producer Price Index, PPI, measure of wholesale inflation experienced by manufacturers, rose 0.3% in July, a bit higher than expected, and the largest gain since January. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy prices and trade services, rose from 2.7% from a year earlier, well down from the previous month's rate of 5.8%. The inflation reports didn't really move the needle at all, so stocks ultimately finished flat over the second half of the week. Until we get a number as near as damn it to the Fed's 2% target, however, Inflation and its associated effect on the economy and the Fed's propensity to play around with interest rates and thereby impact the stock market will not go away.